The Talking Football Podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, who are the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code TALKINGFITBALL at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code TALKINGFITBALL. Your balls will thank you. Hello and welcome to episode 80 of the Talking Football Podcast. My name's Derek Clark and each week we bring you a first-class interview with some of the most colourful and engaging characters involved in the game. This week I was fortunate enough to chat to one of the greatest South African defenders of all time, a guy who not only made a name for himself in his homeland with Jomo Cosmos and Orlando Pirates as well as starring for Bafana Bafana at a World Cup, but he also played in Serie A for Lazio and in England where he's best known for his spells at Bolton and Charlton. It is, of course, the one and only Mark Fish. He was an absolute pleasure to interview, and I'm sure you'll enjoy hearing from the big man. So sit back and enjoy the latest episodes of the Talking Football Podcast. Hello everyone and welcome to another edition of the Talking Football Podcast. I'm absolutely delighted to say we're joined on the line by former South African Lazio Bolton star as well as amongst other clubs, Charlton, you name it, Mark Fish. Mark, thank you very much for coming on. My pleasure and thank you for having me on your show. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's great to have you on. Before we look back at the, a great career in the game, um, Mark, just a quick word for our sponsors. The great guys at Manscaped have redesigned the electric trimmer for your Nilla regions, the new and improved Lawnmower 3.0. We've got one to give away as well. If you look uh, on our social media accounts, on our Twitter and Facebook accounts, we've got a lovely hamper which includes the trimmer itself alongside some ball deodorant and toner, T-shirt and boxers, the ideal Christmas gift. So keep your eyes peeled for that. And we've also got a 20% off Everything on Manscaped at the moment if you use the code TALKINGFITBALL and you also get free shipping as well. Right, Mark, looking back at the career then. Um, born in uh, Cape Town in, in 1974, grown up as a, as a young boy. Were you always playing football as a youngster? No, no. Um, yeah, I played mostly football, but uh, growing up in uh, what, you call, what we call primary school, I played all sports. Um, and then going on to high school level, uh, they, you know, they tried to get me to play rugby, but wasn't too interested in that, but I played first team cricket, yeah. uh, which is what we call in standard eight, grade ten. Um, yeah, and I played that, but um, you know, it actually got to a point where I could make the choice between cricket and, and football, and I chose football. And the honest reason it wasn't because, yes, obviously I preferred football, but there were better looking women watching <laughs> girls watching football than cricket. So it was a good choice for me. <laughs> was there any um, footballers that you admired growing up? Did you any? Uh, Do you idolise anyone? So, sure. I mean, I, I think that if I look through the 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 year of growing up, you know, um, I, was, I grew up as an attacker. Uh, I actually was a striker before I was converted to central defender. So, I liked um, the the three Dutchmen that played for AC Milan. Uh, before that, I enjoyed watching Glenn Hoddle. Yeah. Um, um, Kevin King and Kenny Douglas, but just to name a few. But um, yeah, I was more attack minded, so I enjoyed the more the attacking. And also the, the great John Barnes when he was at Liverpool yeah. and Watford, he was humble. So enjoyed attacking players. Um, and I wouldn't say idolised because 
Unfortunately, we, for whatever reason, during the apartheid era, you know, we only ever got to watch uh, the FA Cup final. So in the 80s, it was generally Liverpool United uh, were in the final. Then you had the odd, well, not odd team, you had Everton, then you had the odd game. We have Wimbledon, and then you have uh, a, a Watford as well, who obviously surprised a lot of people the Wimbledon game against Liverpool, which I'm yeah. sure Liverpool fans don't would like not to remember that one little victory <laughs> there. Um, yeah, but. Yeah, I certainly grew, grew up admiring a lot of footballers that we were able to watch on, uh, and obviously Spurs were one of the teams in the FA Cup, watch, to be able to watch them in the FA Cup finals. Yeah, but you mentioned that you liked the, the attacking players, Mark. Is the, did you want to be an attacker? When when did you start moving uh, back into the defence? So I, I, I played for a club, Arcadia Shepherds, from the age of 6 to 17, and then I signed for a team, German Cosmos, in South Africa, which was, a semi-professional at the time. We trained twice a week and played obviously on a weekend. And I think probably into my second month of signing for them as a striker, we, we were playing a, a what is I don't want to compare it, but we'd probably say our FA Cup here in South Africa where all the teams were able to play. And then um, we were playing against a team and our central defender got sent off. And the, the coach or the owner of the team looked at me and said, go play at the back. And obviously... <laughs> The rest is history. I stayed at the back and never had the chance to go forward again. Well, <laughs> play up front. Yeah, uh, Jubal Cosmos, uh, was, uh, I mean, a right good club in South Africa, aren't they? And uh, was it Roy Matthews that was there at the time? Yeah, yeah, no, Roy Matthews, certainly. And, you know, if you can uh, ask me about um, coaches and, and, and people, Roy Matthews uh, was a phenomenal individual as a coach. Well, you know, again, probably my first professional coach, and uh, he was an inspiration, and certainly. Uh, a person that I admire a lot. So yeah, Roy, and he was a fantastic footballer. He played for Charlton yeah. Athletic, as you know. So uh, yeah, fantastic individual. Yeah, uh, your time at Orlando Pirates, um, you done really well at, at, at that club, didn't you? Did you enjoy your time there? Because um, you won quite a, quite a few things there. Yeah, it was, uh, again, um, interesting how how coaching styles differ. So you know, time for Cosmos was ninety two, ninety three. We played in the Cup Winners Cup. Um, for Cosmos on the African continent and you know, none, of, none of our coaches travelled with us but we did really well we got to the semi-finals as a, as a small club but in our local league we got relegated as Joma Cosmos so the following year like ooing and thinking well where do I go now and um, next minute Orlando Pirates comes so but from that Cosmos team that got relegated six of us went to Orlando Pirates so, and um, yeah that year the following year we went on to go win which was then the, the first um, National Soccer League under the democracy in 1994. And then 95, fortunate to go, go on from there to win the African Champions League with the Pirates. So I only played there two years and we won, I think, one or two other trophies. But I was very, very fortunate to have unbelievable players with me. But yeah, we were very successful in those two years at, a, at his, what is probably the second biggest supported club in South Africa. Yeah, absolutely. And when you were there, that's when the sort of interest came from clubs in in Europe. Were you were you aware of that sort of stuff, Mark? I, I know that uh, was that Harry Redknapp. But wanted to bring you to West Ham. Yeah, yeah. So I was aware of it in uh, in '94, um, and then in '94 he, he inquired about about me, and then the club owner called me in and he said, "Listen, yeah, this is what's happening. He says, but he doesn't want me to go." Yeah. So I said, "That's fine. I wasn't in a, in a rush at the time." And then '95, um, Harry inquired again. And then I said, "No, no, I want to stay because I think when they inquired, we were we were the quarterfinal of the Champions League, 
and uh, obviously for a club like Arcadia, uh, Arcadia, Orlando Pirates to win the African Champions League for so well from South Africa on the continent was a big thing for us. So um, yeah, I stayed there. Um, fortunately, had the opportunity for the following year. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then Man United were sniffing about you as well, didn't they? Um, what, what, what happened? What happened with that? That that sort of interest. No, so we were fortunate um, to host the '96 African Nations Cup. Yeah, and we obviously went on to do really well and win the tournament. Yeah, uh, yeah, in South Africa. And at the time, um, I think Sir Bobby Charlton had come out to to have a look at oh. me on behalf of Man United and. Um, after the of this tournament, the people that were representing me at the time, they said no, that um, United are interested in Lazio. So I said, well, you know, let's let's go and meet with them. And then we went to meet with United, and I still remember the game because it was a Monday night a Monday night game, yeah. and uh, Everton were playing Man United, and it was when Ken Charles had moved from Man United to Everton. Already. Yeah. So I'm still watching that game. Not okay, I don't remember the results because obviously I was more more um, excited to, to meet with Alex Ferguson and then eventually met with him after the, after the game in his office and uh, we, he said, no, you'd like me to stay for two weeks to see if I can adjust to the, the culture and the way Man United is. Um, and then the agent at the time just were probably, I'm going to say probably, yeah, looking, chasing the money. Yeah. And uh, um, yeah, we, they said, no, we, we're under obligation to go to Latvia as well. And we went to Latvia and they wanted to sign Zednik Zeman, who was the coach at the time, yeah. wanted to sign me straight away. So, um, obviously, I grew up a little bit as a Man United fan. Yeah. So, having to meet Sir Swigan was a great honour. But then going to, to Italy as well, you know, I, I'm pretty sure at that time then the Italian league was probably the, the toughest league in, the, in, on, in Europe. Yeah. So, it was, as it was a disappointment, I wouldn't say disappointment, it was that I didn't go to United, it was, uh, again, for me to go to the Serie A as a defender, as you know, um, that's where you learn your trade or achieve, make you make you a better a better defender. So it was a, a good experience um, for me, and I'm just very fortunate I wasn't at the same time as uh, as Gazza there because I think the two of us would have fought off together. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, did Sir, did Sir Alex say anything to you when you said you were going to Lazio? Did he say uh, was he gutted at all that you? No, no, no. So he was just in contact with the with the agent, and no, he didn't. Um, the agent just said an obligation. Yeah. I never, <laughs> never really ever heard from him again. And obviously, only when we played Man United, that story saw saw Yeah. So so you went to Lazio. I mean, a massive club, of course, in Italy. And I mean, looking at some of the players you were playing with, Mark, as well. Walking into that dressing room, did, did were, you, were you a bit daunted, or did you feel that you were you you deserved to be there? So obviously, um, at the time, you know, um, you, you walk into. For me, it was a major, major footballing step because I've gone from where I was playing at Atlanta Pirates, and I still we were semi-professional then. So we were training Pirates at least probably three times a week, and then playing either on a Saturday or a Sunday. Now you step into the real world. Now you're training twice a day, uh, up until a Thursday, and then Friday once, and Saturday, and generally playing on a Sunday. So um, it was a massive step for me. But uh, walk, obviously, one, once you walk into the change room, you know, fortunate that Zeman saw me and he wanted me as a player. So I said I felt comfortable with him, certainly. But, uh, you know, when you look back and you think of the, the players that I did play with, as you mentioned, yeah. and where they went on from there, um, I was very privileged and very honoured to uh, be able to play. And as you said, be in a change room with some of, some of those players. Yeah, the likes of, like, Alessandro Nesta and... Uh... 
Negro and uh, Shamot and all that. Did they help you? Did they bring your game on and, and improve you? Yeah, certainly. So, as you said, the Shamot and Annette, that was generally the three of us that were in competition yeah. for, for the two central positions. And then, you know, I have to mention Mark Johnny, the goalkeeper. So he was my roommate because he was the one that was able to speak a little bit better, more English than the rest of the players. So they, they, they roomed me with him. And then, uh, you know, they, they were phenomenal players. I mean, uh, Pablo Nedved, who obviously yeah. is that Juve and fantastic footballer. Well, he did phenomenally well in Italy. So, um, then Signori and Kazaragi. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, the names go on. But again, you know, it's a, if you look at how the, where the players went from there, you know, Nesta, I remember seeing, watching Nesta uh, in 2006 when I had retired in, in Germany, in the, in the stadium where the Italians um, were playing against Germany in the semi-final, and with the late Fulhamon Masinga, we were watching together. We were the two, probably the only two individuals supporting Italy amongst all the Germans. So when they <laughs> scored, we did have a bit of beer thrown all over us, but it was all worth it. So, but yeah, again, like I said, it was phenomenal to see where some of these the players that I played with, um, where they went on to. Yeah, you mentioned the coach uh, Zinax uh, Zeman, but we had uh, Brian Roy on a, a wee while ago, and he says he was so attacking and he loved playing for his Foggia team. Did, did did you enjoy playing under him? I did. I did a, a very, a very, um, I think, complicated individual. But um, yeah. I think in those days, you know, you, you just stood on the bench and have a cigarette, and have a cigarette. <laughs> but he was, he was enjoyable. It was enjoyable to play. I mean. I just think you mentioned all those players and that season, unfortunately, we got to a really slow start. I think there was a lot of expectation for uh, from the fans and obviously from the club owner for Lazio. But, um, yeah, it was, it was enjoyable to to, um, to play under him. And, again, we're uh, fortunate to have those players around us. So, um, and then, unfortunately, I think it was nearly the, before the, the mid-year break where, you know, obviously he was called in and uh, the results weren't going according to plan, and then Victino's off shifting. Yeah, yeah, and that, that was that. Um, you played in the Rome Derby, uh, one of the fiercest rivalries in world football, Mark. But how did you find playing in that game? So, yeah, again, uh, the Rome Lazio Derby or the, the Lazio Roma Derby, it's, um, it's something to experience, obviously, as, as a player, but again, as, as a fan. Um, I don't think that the amount of people uh, was daunting because yeah, in South Africa you play Atlanta Pirates, other teams you have the same amount of people, but obviously the the atmosphere is very, <laughs> a little bit more different. I think yeah, in South Africa they they might sit amongst each other and actually cheer. Where obviously, as you know, there it's a little bit more volatile. The songs that they sing and what they say to the opposite fans or sing at the players are uh, are something to to experience. But certainly, it is it is uh, it was. I was very fortunate to to play in the Lazio. I mean, I played in both those those derbies, either Lazio Roma, Roma yeah. Lazio. The yeah, phenomenal experience, and um, as you know, if uh, as a fan you're watching the Italians, how passionate they are um, to play on in one of those teams in 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 the uh, Lazio Roma derby in their own derby. So. Yeah, it was uh, one of the, the highlights of uh, my footballing career. Yeah, you, you mentioned, I mean, Serie A was probably the best league in the world at that point. Did you come up against any strikers that you, gave you a tough, tough afternoon? Sure, I have to think back. I'm sure that's so long ago. I certainly, um, I think it was, no, sure. Um, no, I think all strikers give you a tough yeah. afternoon. <laughs> but I mean, I think that at the end of the day, um, you know, you're fortunate to to 
play with some of the players around you, that certainly makes it easier for you. Yeah. Um, but shoot, off the top of my head, no, there's no one that I can mention that. But I'm sure if we look back and look at this, who's playing on what team, yeah. there's certainly it would, uh, there were certainly some fantastic strikers there. Yeah, of course, you'd be representing South Africa by this point as well, Mark. I mean, how, how proud were you to, to, to represent uh, the country? So, yeah, obviously, um, we were very, very, um, we were only being readmitted to world football in 92. So, yeah. you know, four years later, you win the African Nations Cup, and two years later, you're playing in the World Cup for, yeah. for your country um, in France. And, yeah, I mean, the, the, it's always difficult to, to describe to people because, you know, in a, such a short period of time, we had so much success um, in football for our country on the continent. And, uh, you know, when you look back, you think to yourself, that was something that we needed to build on as a federation and as a country. But unfortunately, we haven't. So it was, it was certainly, it was a proud moment for me and all, the, all my teammates to, to run out there in Marseille in the opening game, whether we lost or, or won, it didn't really matter. Yeah. It was just a proud moment for us as South Africans. So, but again, if you look back, it's proud moments, but it's also very difficult to think that, you know, 22 years down the line, we've only actually really qualified for two World Cups, where 2010 doesn't come. So um, there's more that needs to be done so that uh, we can experience um, different emotions as football fans for, for the South African football team. Yeah, but what was it like playing alongside uh, Lucas Radeby? No, no, the, the Chiefs. Certainly, um, Lucas is admired by, you know, Leeds fans for what he achieved there. And he was always... Uh, yeah, fantastic footballer, Lucas. He did. He wasn't a lie. He wasn't someone that was very um, um, talkative on the field, but he led by example. He led by example. So I think, yeah, for me, that's always always key. I don't, I don't like um, captains that uh, shout and scream. There's no need, yeah. no need for that. But if you lead by example, certainly. So it was an honour and a privilege to play with him. And yeah, that's why he's called the chief. Um, in Leeds, and that's why I still called the chief yeah, amongst us. Yeah, absolutely. Um, before we go back to the, the club career, you mentioned, um, I mean, they've only qualified for, for, for a couple of World Cups. Uh, Why do you think that is? We had um, Aaron Mokoena on a few weeks ago as well, Mark, and he says, um, especially that World Cup that, that you guys hosted, they could have they, they could have done better in investing in, in the youth and what have you. Do you, do you sort of share that, that view? Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, I think that, um, you know, Again, we've just as a yeah, uh, and there's no point slamming everyone, but at the end of yeah. the day, not, not, not enough is done for for the youth development, not enough is done at schools level, uh, and just the administration, the corruption that has happened. Unfortunately, yeah. the corruption we follow South Africa corruption in our government, and unfortunately, it's um, leaked over into our sporting fraternities as well, and yeah. they don't realise that yes, you can steal money, whatever, but you're affecting the development of the game. So that's why. You see, our football is—we're trying to climb back, but I still think it's going to take us so much more. It's going to take longer than we expect because um, we're trying to play catch up to the rest of the continent. Yeah. If you look at our crickets, yes, our, our Springboks—you know—we won the World Cup against you guys last year. So a proud moment for us. Yeah. But uh, you know, our crickets also going backwards because people are not realizing that you can't keep taking money if you don't invest in, into grassroots and development yeah. at a school level or even at a younger level. So. Um, it is it is a big problem in football, but let's hope that um, it will soon catch on. And let's hope that you've spoke now. Let's hope that the chief um, Lucas Hadebi will one day be the president of the South African Football Federation because I think it will bring a lot of respect to the federation. And also, once you have some sort of respect, then you you 
might be able to have big companies put money into to the, into football for all the right reasons. Yeah, absolutely. Um, back to the club career then. Um, you signed for Bolton Wanderers in '97. What was the what was the thinking behind that move, Mark? Again, it was. Um, I actually I was obviously still at Lazio, and then I, I went to um, Fiorentina to, for uh, preseason training, where I was very fortunate to to, to train with the, the great Roberto Baggio. Wow! So uh, we had I was there for the preseason, and then the, an agent, was a guy looking after me, so I called me and said, "Well, Bolton Wanderers want me to come uh, because Colin Torres' team we played for South Africa against England at Old Trafford, and." Um, Again, it was an opportunity where uh, the year before, obviously, uh, so if you want to say I turned it down or the agents turned it down, they in the, what was still the Premier well, wasn't the English Premier League yet. It was. It was. Premiership, in, yeah. Yeah, it was a Premiership. So, yeah, um, that was the thinking. So, after, and also, they brought in um, uh, Goran Eriksson, who, who brought a lot of his own players from Sampdoria. So it was going to be a, a lot harder for me and the opportunity came for for uh, me to go to, obviously, the Premiership to uh, to play under Colin Todd at Bolton Wanderers. And your first, your debut, is that right against, you, you played against Man United, a 0-0 draw? Yeah, no, no, definitely. It was quite a strange time at this time because I had to wait for my uh, work permit. I, yeah. I couldn't be in England. I had to receive it outside the country. So I came back to South Africa <clears throat> and in the, in the interim then... Um, yeah, I got a little bit hasty and then married a, a woman and yeah, yeah, took her <laughs> with me to the UK and uh, yeah, yeah, so yeah, my debut against United, which was obviously it was a fantastic achievement um, for Bolton and for myself, obviously, again, because you, you're playing your first game against it and don't ever say it, but the team that you so-called said yeah. no to, which I never said, but uh, yeah, no draw at the Reebok was a fantastic result and thinking of the, the, the players that I played against uh, on that first day, uh, first match um, yeah. at uh, the Reebok Stadium. How, how did you find uh, English football? Was it was it a bit different to what you were used to in, in Italy? Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, Italian football is all about you know. Even if you look at it now, you know, it's all about control and slowing the game down. Um, where the English game was certainly suited me a lot better. I thought it was a lot more exciting, and you know, when someone's got the ball, you you got full out attack. So it certainly it was. Um, I enjoyed it more and it suited me more um, how I wanted to play the game. So that was um, sort of nearly like welcome home and I couldn't wait to, to con- you know, to continue the, that season with Bolton Wanderers. Yeah, the, the Reebok Stadium had not long opened when you went there, Mark. How, did, how much did you enjoy playing there and did you enjoy playing at any other grounds? No, no, definitely. Obviously, um, you know, um, the, the Reebok Stadium, as you just said, had just been built. It was a fantastic atmosphere. Um, again, you know the way the stadium was built. You know, if you compare it to the the the, the Rome, Rome Stadium, um, you know it's got a Linux track around it, so the fans are away from it uh, from the from the field. So this was closer to the to the to the players. The atmosphere was electric, so yeah, it was a fantastic stadium. Um, then again, I mean, if you want to look at the in, in England, the stadiums to obviously Old Trafford is one. Um, um, Newcastle is certainly, yeah. but um, at the time, not at the time for, for so much for Bolton, but when I moved on, um, the old Highbury was a fantastic ah, stadium yeah. to play. Yeah. I think that, uh, yeah, 
the atmosphere there was electric, especially when you surprise and you beat Arsenal there at Arsenal. Then I think the atmosphere is even better. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, there were some characters at Bolton at, at that time. I mean, Shin addressed them in the likes of uh, Jerry Taggart, Alan Thompson, of course, was there. Uh, Goodney Bergson as well. Uh, uh, Jimmy Phillips. It must have been a, a right fun dressing room to be involved in. Yeah, definitely. And then there's also, which you mentioned, there's another the midfielder, the Irishman. Uh, my gosh, yeah, but there were some uh, John Sheridan. Yeah, yeah, John yeah, right enough, yeah. Oh my gosh, so you're there, you mentioned them. There was a lot of characters, and then even still, remember we had uh, Dean Holsworth up front yeah. so, to mix in with uh, all the, the Danish players that we had there. So, certainly a lot of, un, well, fantastic characters, fantastic footballers, but it certainly was a, a, a good change room generally to be in. But, you know, if you're going to. You play Sheffield Wednesday, away to Wednesday, and you four 0 down at halftime. I don't think that's the change room you want to be in. <laughs> no, no. Uh, it was a tough season that first season. You went in there, of course, and then um, you get relegated. Uh, and then when you, when you can try to come back up, you lost in that that playoff final. Um, how difficult was that to deal with? I know. That, I mean, uh, you were captain at Wembley, weren't you? What was it like to play at Wembley and skip of the side? Was it a bit of mixed emotion? Yeah, of course. Uh, to play at Wembley Stadium, I think it's any any boy's dream to play at Wembley. And as you said, uh, unfortunately, we had got relegated the year before. And to get to the final, play against Watford, you know, we really, <coughs> sorry, we really fancied our, our chances, but um, yeah, it didn't happen. And um, yeah, it's, it was an honour to play at Wembley, but it certainly is yeah, not fond memories when I look back because unfortunately, I, I captained the team again later on, and uh, we lost there again. So, um, yeah, not fun memories at Wembley, but very honoured and very lucky to have played at that stadium. Yeah, in terms of the Bolton fans, Mark, they, they sort of took you to your hearts. And uh, uh, how did it make you feel when they're singing the, your song and all that at different grounds? No, definitely, they certainly opened me with um, open welcome arms and that. But um, yeah, yeah, it was a phenomenal experience. You know, it was, I don't know, it was fortunate. I mean, can you imagine if I had a, a lot more difficult surname like uh, Potato Notes. I don't know what they would say, but fortunately, fish is quite catchy. But um, yeah, I was. Uh, it was a fantastic time at Bolton. You know, I was very, very disappointed that I left, but also very disappointed more so that when we, I wasn't able to be part of the team to take them back into the Premiership. Yeah, the, uh, you mentioned there you disappointed that we left. Of course, big uh, Sam Allardyce comes in and. Uh, you'd go to Charlton as a bit. Uh, was it a bit hurtful the, the way that you did leave at the, at the time? Yes, it was. Unfortunately, um, you know, one or two things were said. Um, you know, if I picture back, you know, the, that Saturday, you know, I, I was going to leave, go to to Charlton that that summer already, and unfortunately, I went down to Charlton and they um, found a problem in my knee, yeah. and um, they said that no, was I want to sign me. Let, let me let me go back, and then I'll have a look. You know, while the, the season starts, and then. Started playing, and you know, unfortunately, or fortunately, whichever way, I was still captain at, of, of Bolton. And you know, that's the I distinctly remember the Saturday uh, we were playing Birmingham away, and sure, I think it was no, no, we could have even been winning one all, no, no, no. And with about 15 minutes to go, um, I think Adidas had realized, or whatever, had made up his mind, and uh, he took me off, he substituted me, yeah, and then sort of knew, and then that. Uh, I think I got a call that Sunday morning saying that I must go down to Charlton. So it wasn't it wasn't the most um, tasteful um, departure from uh, from Bolton, 
But that's um, ah, football, and so we move on. Yeah, absolutely. Of course, uh, Bolton now is sitting in, in League Two. They've sort of fell down the divisions through the years. Do you keep an eye on their results, Mark? And are you quite surprised at how far they've fallen? Yeah, I have. Unfortunately, I have. I do look at both both the teams that I played in the UK for, and you know, unfortunately, you see the demise of of, of Bolton at the moment. Um, I do just hope that something will happen that they they don't fall completely out of uh, the league. Yeah. But um, yeah, again, it's um, for whatever reason how what it, things have happened. But let's hope it turns around. And um, yeah, it is very sad to see where, where the team is at the moment. Yeah, of course. You joined Charlton, and Alan Kirbishley was was a the manager there. And I think at Charlton were enjoying a, a really good few years in, in the Premier League. What was he like as a, as a coach to play under, Mark? So yeah, Kerbs is a, a good tactician. Um, he knows the game well. Um, yeah, it was enjoyable to play under him. You know, I think that. Um, him and uh, Mervyn Day and Keith Peacock, you know, they were the coaching yeah. staff. And I think the the thing that I liked, well, thought the most was, you know, that he watched. I played one or two games for South Africa, and but then he he called me. I went to training, and then he called me back, and I walked into the the, the training ground into his office, and it's him, Mervyn Day and Keith Peacock sitting there, and I'm thinking, okay, well, what's happening? Yeah, there's something wrong. And then they're sitting there, and they said, well, we watched you play. Um, uh, for South Africa, and um, you played it right back. And this week, Ken, we would like you to play it right back so we can move. I think Andy Todd to central yeah. central defender. This is and that. So I said to him, "Oh, okay, is that all?" He said, "I was hoping that you would put me in midfield, but so, um, <laughs> but that didn't materialise. But um, yeah, it was enjoyable to play under him. And um, as you said, we had a we had a good uh, couple of years in the in, in the in the Premiership. And I think due to him and his coaching staff and the the players, obviously, that were in in that team. Yeah, how did how did you find living down in, in London? London, London, baby, London's awesome. London <laughs> is, uh, you know, obviously, you know, um, Bolton. You can have that um, that drizzle, that weather. Um, <laughs> it can be a little bit um, yeah, daunting or monotonous, whichever you want to call it. But um, you know, obviously, London and where where I'm staying, you, you generally. If, in the UK, well, if in England there's good weather, it's generally out there in, in Kent. So, um, yeah, I enjoyed it there. London was phenomenal. I saw people, when people talk to me, they go, she's London. Why would you want to go to London? I said, listen, yeah, London in summer. I think it's one of the greatest cities in the world, actually, yeah. because the people, their whole mindset changes and, um, yeah, it's a good, it's a fun place to be. Yeah, again, some cracking players at Charlton at that time. You mentioned there Andy Todd, your, your former Bolton teammate. They also had the likes of uh, George Costa was there, wasn't he? And um, Scott Parker was was there at a time. Decanio joined for, for a period of time as well. He's a he's a bit of a, a madman. No, no, definitely. And uh, there's some we had uh, Klaus Jensen and, as you said, yeah, had, yeah. Uh, even Paul, Paul Koncheski that went on to play yeah. for Liverpool. But uh, certainly... Um, Paolo de Canio, but you know, when people ask me that, I think that when he came to Charleston, he was there for the season. Yeah. Um, I think he was 36 years old. He was the ultimate, whether he's a crazy, not to remember, most Italians are crazy, but um, <laughs> his, um, top his throw, attitude, yeah. his attitude and respect for the game, um, second to none. I think he was one of the, the more, he's one of the best professionals I've ever seen. Um, yeah. Train and the way, yes, even in training, he was a little bit, uh, 
over the top, but uh, like I said, the Italians, that's how they are, but a lot of respect for the Canyon because he was a, a true professional and he respected the game and how he looked after himself was a it was something to remark on. Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. You spent a, a good five years there, of course, and then uh, you go to Ipswich for, for, for a period of time, then you'd suffer a, a bad injury. How 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 hard was that, um, Mark, to suffer? Was it a cruciate that you, that you suffered? So, it wasn't really. It was, I suffered a assault, and, <clears throat> and unfortunately, in 2002, I hoped to go to the World Cup. I ended up having three a throscopies in a space of 10 days. And <clears throat> yes, I eventually did recover um, where it was meant, to, I was meant, hoping to be out for six, at, to the most eight weeks. I was out for eight months and I did recover and obviously had one or two really good enough seasons for, for, uh, for Charlton. But I think then my leg wasn't so much always the knee and the mechanics of my leg. So either then I got a car problem then a hamstring problem and then you're working on things and just slowly it just, got worse and worse and then you know you find my, I found myself not in the first team not captaining not in the first team yeah. and then you're trying to come back in from injury and then uh, uh, Kerb said oh, called me and he said listen yet yeah, uh, Joe Royal wants you to go down to your suite and see if you can get yourself fit again I said yeah what pleasure um, and then I went down there we were playing uh, against QPR uh, I think on a Wednesday could be Monday you know QPR and um yeah, I, you know, when your 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 brain can do it, but your body yeah. can't, and yeah. the ball gets knocked over your head, and I can see it happening, but for my for me to turn and that, I could never, and that was something I was very fortunate where I, I had pace, I could rely on that, um, and I couldn't, I couldn't, I just couldn't do it, and then at halftime, you know, myself and Joe Roll looked at each other, he said, "I'm going to substitute." He said, "No, I know that's a, sort of news that was the end of my career." Wow, was that was that hard to take? Do you take you some time to get to get over that mark, or do you were you think, okay with it? No, no. I think it, it was okay for me because, as I said, I think that the two years leading up to 2006, I found myself more more in the the physio's room than actually on the training ground or on on a, on a field playing football. But slowly, you know, you say to yourself, okay, you know, you're not going to be the same player um, that you would like to be. So yes, obviously, it's still a shock to you, but. You know, I did feel it coming on, and you know, it was one of those things that needed to happen because otherwise, I just put the make it worse than than it actually should be. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, what What were you thinking then when you when you hung up your boots? Did you think it maybe pursuing a career in in the coaching side? Nah, never <laughs> coaching. I've never been interested in it. The thing is, I see what footballers are like; they're full of, and you can imagine. And then, um, yeah, I just think that for me. Uh, as a coach, you give so much more to the game. You have to give so much more to the game. Yeah. Um, as a player, I think players obviously give a lot to the game, certainly. And I love I love playing the game, certainly. I love the uh, competitiveness, yeah. but um, I don't love the game that much to be a coach to give the rest, you know rest of my life to to the game. So I do um, I do development work, which I don't mind working with kids in that yeah. that I really enjoy. But um, you know, I've got a family of my own and. I want to spend time with my own, with my kids, so <clears throat> I was never, never really pursued a career in coaching. Yeah. So what that leads us on. What what is what's keeping you busy just now, then, Mark? Apart from the the gardening this morning. <laughs> no, no. So I um, come up with a. I do a lot of. I do football tournaments on the farms for farm workers. Wow. Yeah, in one of the regions, and um, yeah, I've come up with a shortened version of football where we 
at 20 minutes a half, we put in a power play, we take players to the field, and because we're trying to develop the game here on the continent and, and in South, South Africa, uh, we say that if you score directly outside the 18-yard, it counts as two goals. So we're trying to encourage people to shoot because, yeah, in Africa continent, you know, the guys like to dribble the ball in the back of the net. And, and then we have penalty shootouts where it's the, the crossbar challenge. So yeah. something unique, something different, but it's exciting and I uh, enjoy doing it. Fantastic. And in terms of your career, looking back then, Matt, is there any player that stands out as a, the best player that you played with over your, your time in the game? Sure. Um, I'm going to say that I've played with a lot of, you know, in charity games, I've played with a lot of fantastic players. It would be very disrespectful for me to say oh, there's yeah. one player particularly. But, um, um, you know, the, uh, some of the players that I have played with is phenomenal. And, you know, one of the guys I, res- I really respect the most is probably George Weir because he's now the president of Liberia. Yeah. And I was forced to play in a World Eleven team with him. So he's one. But there's many, many of them, and like I said, I'm very fortunate to have had the experiences and played with some of the best players in the world. Yeah, are you one of these guys as well, Mark? That keeps all your, your your jerseys and things from the World Cup and what have you? Do you keep them up framed somewhere up in the loft or anything? Nah, <laughs> no, nah, I'm not that sentimental. No, I think uh, you always during the years you've had people that, that are. You know, an AC Milan United fan or, or an Arsenal fan where, you know, I swap shirts with Terry Henry, but I've given to a mate that's a big Arsenal fan. So, yeah. no, I haven't kept any of those things. Um, I thought today we'll get people asking me for the African Nations Cup shirt in 1996. I'm like, no, brother, you, nah, it's not happening. I haven't got it. So, yeah. um, no, I'm not that sentimental, but um, fond memories and uh, long, may I, long may I be able to remember them. Yeah, absolutely. Fantastic stuff. Well, Mark, that'll do us there. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on the, the podcast. Thank you for coming on. Thanks very much, Derek, and uh, have a fantastic afternoon. That was episode 80 of the Talking Football podcast with Mark Fish. As ever, I hope you enjoyed it. Remember, if you want to listen to any previous episodes, you can catch them all on pretty much all podcast platforms now. You can also view the videos on our Facebook page. We're on Twitter. You can follow us at Talking underscore Football. And be sure to check out and subscribe to the Talking Football website, talkingfootball.co.uk, where you'll find a whole load of great content. If you want to sponsor the podcast, you can now do so. Just visit the Get Involved page on the website and email us at contact at derekclarksports.co.uk. Hope you can join me again next week when I'll be joined by former Dundee star Dusan Virto. But until then, stay safe. Bye for now. Bye for now.